Well, that concludes your orientation, Douglas. Welcome to Hornet Heaven, the afterlife paradise exclusively reserved for Watford fans. You'll be happy here for the rest of eternity. No, I won't, you happy, clappy cretin. Golly, that's a bit... I mean, you have noticed we're bottom of the table, right? Of course I have, but how's anyone going to be happy if we're relegated? Well, being a Watford fan isn't all about... We haven't won a game yet! We don't look like winning a bloody game. We're going down. It's a disaster. Hornet Heaven Series 11, Episode 4 The Five People You Meet in Hornet Heaven Written by Ollie Wicken Read by Colin Mace Earth Season 2019-20 On the 5th of October 2019 on the morning of Watford's home game against Sheffield United, Bill Mainwood, Hornet Heaven's head of programmes, went to warn Henry Grover, the man who founded Watford Rovers in 1881, about the arrival of a furious fan in Hornet Heaven. They chatted in the father of the club's usual booth in the gallery restaurant. I'm afraid this new chap, Douglas, isn't reacting well to the fact that we're bottom of the table, Henry. He's been spooked by it. Ha! I see what you did there, Bill. He's been spooked. He's become a ghost like the rest of us. I think he could do with some perspective, Henry. I'm planning to take him on a magical history tour. Ah, uh, but don't you remember, Bill? You took me on a tour recently, old thing, to try and help me recover my emotional equilibrium after the 8 nil at Manchester City. The tour simply wasn't up to the task. A bit like Dimitri Fulkier. We should have put it out of its misery after 33 minutes. Yes, perhaps the trauma caused by Watford's start to the 2019-20 season is too extreme to be helped by a magical history tour, Henry. I'll have to try something else. Something new. But what? Burning this season's programmes is a strong candidate. Why don't I take him to meet a cross-section of Hornet Heaven residents? You know, putting the focus on the people aspect of our afterlife rather than the matches. Boring! Hey, what's wrong with that as an idea, Henry? Nothing in itself, old chap, but it needs a hook. It needs the equivalent of a title like Magical History Tours. It needs a gimmick. Bill sat and thought. Soon he came up with something. He smiled and immediately set to work on it. A little later, Bill went back to the atrium. Brilliant! The happy, clappy cretins back! What do you want? Uh, welcome... To my new feature. Feature? What the hell are you talking about? Welcome to... The five people you meet in Hornet Heaven. What? There was a best-selling novel once, based on the idea that in heaven 
you meet five people who shaped your life. It was called the five people you meet in heaven. I'm fully aware which five people shaped my life this week. Ben Foster and the back four against Wolves last Saturday. Yes, well, I've looked back at your personal supporting history, the one you outlined on the orientation questionnaire you filled in for me. You know, your first game, your favourite players and so on. And based on that, I'm going to take you to meet five Hornet Heaven residents. I think the process will make you happier. I want the process of beating Sheffield United today to make me happier. We'll have finished meeting everyone before the game starts. Now, come on. I won't take no for an answer. I'm taking you to see the first gentleman on my list. Bill had seen on Douglas's orientation questionnaire that the new arrival had been taken to his first Watford game by his granddad in 1963. Bill had now identified Douglas's granddad, Cyril, in Hornet Heaven. This afternoon, Cyril was sitting in a chair by the programme shelves, people watching. He was in his late 80s with a white goatee beard. He was wearing a long yellow scarf and a black beret, like some kind of elderly beatnik poet. When he wasn't jotting notes on a pad, he was sucking thoughtfully on a yellow biro, with Watford 7, Southampton 1 printed on the side. Bill took Douglas to see Cyril. Over the years, Bill had helped reunite many people with their loved ones on arrival in the Watford afterlife. He'd always stood back and observed these touching encounters with a full heart and a moist eye. Now he watched Douglas and Cyril meet each other for the first time in more than 30 years. Douglas, my dear, dear grandson, not you. You're the last person I wanted to see in Hornet Heaven. Bill found he wasn't full of heart and moist of eye on this occasion. Oh, dear. I assumed you'd get on. That's a basic mistake of Craig Dawson proportions. Bill wasn't going to let the five people you meet in Hornet Heaven fail at the first hurdle. He carried on regardless by gently pushing a chair into the back of Douglas's knees, so that Douglas sat down. Then he turned to the old man in the beret and said, So, Cyril, you handed your love of Watford Football Club down to Douglas. Can you put into words for us exactly what you handed down? What do Watford fans get from watching Watford? Cyril leaned back in his chair and waved a foppish hand towards the Watford fans milling around the floor of the atrium. To say that these men paid their shillings to watch 22 hirelings kick a ball is merely to say that a violin is wood and catgut, but Hamlet is so much paper and ink. What? What the hell are you on about? For a shilling, Watford offered you conflict and art. What the fuck here has this got to do with anything when we need to beat Sheffield United later? Shh, listen to your granddad, Douglas. It turned you into a critic, happy in your judgment of fine points, ready in a second to estimate the worth of a well-judged pass. A run down the touchline, a lightning shot, a clearance by your back or goalkeeper. How'd you put up with him talking like this? I couldn't. 
I think he's quoting J.B. Priestley. J.B. Priestley? Who'd he play for? This is bringing back all my worst childhood memories. And, what is more, it turned you into a member of a new community. All brothers together for an hour and a half. Did you hear that, Douglas? Community. The insights your granddad is reciting lay behind Graham Taylor's thinking in making Watford a community club. For not only had you escaped from the clanking machinery of this lesser life, but you had escaped with most of your mates and your neighbours, with half the town, into another and altogether more splendid kind of life, hurtling with conflict, and yet passionate and beautiful in its art. Well done. Brilliant. Really? My dear, dear boy. Thank you. Those words were beautiful and totally pointless when Watford are virtually pointless this season. Oh, I've never heard such guff. For Foster's sake. You lived in a dream world when you were meant to be looking after me as a kid and your head's still in the clouds up here. People like you need to understand the scale of Watford's problem in the real bloody world. Douglas got up and marched out of the atrium. Bill followed Douglas. He found him at the Graham Taylor statue outside the Hornet's shop. Douglas was sitting to the right of the great man on the black bench. Bill sat down on the bench too, to the left of the great man. I'm sorry, Douglas. I had no idea how you felt about your granddad. My dad walked out on my family before I was born. Granddad took me to the football, but that was all. He was too in love with books to step in and help a young kid without a dad. He let me down, as badly as Watford are letting me down this season. I'm so sorry, but I'd still like to continue with this five people you meet in Hornet Heaven thing. Because it's going so brilliantly well. Because I still think the overall plan is right, even if what happened just now didn't turn out as well as I'd hoped. Wait, am I at a heavy Grazia post-match press conference? You see, Douglas, the thing about our afterlife is that everyone who arrives in Hornet Heaven loves Watford unconditionally. Are you suggesting I don't? No, no, no. I'm not suggesting that at all. You're angry at our start to the season because you do love Watford. What I'm hoping to do is help you reflect on your relationship with the club, on why you love the Orns, to help you find happiness. Come on. Give it another go. The next person I've got lined up has been absolutely pivotal in your life. Pivotal? The pivotal person I can't wait to see is the top-class defender we're going to sign in January. Well, this man used to be a defender, though no one would ever have described him as top-class. Bill popped back into the atrium to fetch a couple of programmes. Then he took Douglas through the ancient turnstile in the stadium wall on Occupation Road. They arrived at one of the very first games in Watford's history, 137 years earlier. He told me he'd be here, but I can't see him. 
What's going on? Why are we in a sodden meadow? This is February 1882. Watford Rovers are playing London Orphan Asylum. Orphans? You think I'm going to find happiness by watching crying kids? Don't you get it? My happiness depends on how we do in 2019. In the Premier League. The Premier League isn't the be-all and end-all, Douglas. Our club has been playing football since before leagues were even invented. Right, so that's your point, is it? That's why we're here. Well bloody done. Can we go now? It's definitely the kind of point I'd make on a magical history tour of old matches, but today we're focusing on people. That's why I'm looking for... Ah, there he is. He still loves coming back to watch the club's early days. Henry! Bill introduced Douglas to Henry Grover. Henry greeted Douglas heartily. Glorious to make your acquaintance, Douglas. As the father of the club, may I bid you a hearty welcome to Hornet Heaven. I wish you great joy for eternity. Again with the happy clappy. We're bottom of the bloody league! Bill explained to Douglas how Henry had been respected and loved in Hornet Heaven since his arrival in 1949 because, when he was a teenager... He had brought a ball to a kickabout in Casterbury Park in 1881, thereby founding Watford Rovers, who later became Watford Football Club in 1898. Douglas hadn't known this. He looked Henry up and down. Pivotal. In my life, you were saying. Absolutely, Douglas. If Henry hadn't founded Watford Rovers, you wouldn't have had a club to love. Which means he's responsible for all the agony the team's causing me this season. Thanks for nothing! Douglas stomped across the meadow to the ancient turnstile to return to the main part of Hornet Heaven. Um, how do you feel it's going, Bill? This five people you meet in Hornet Heaven gimmick. Bill caught up with Douglas on Occupation Road. Bill pretended nothing untoward had just happened. Right. Ready to meet the third of your five people, Douglas? When they reached the junction with Vicarage Road, they looked to their left and saw some Hornet Heaven residents having an eleven-a-side kickabout in the street behind the stand. A lot of the men were in their seventies and eighties. Some were wearing workman's clothing from the 1930s. Others were in baggy suits from the early 1990s. Bill smiled and said, Now, Douglas, I wonder if you recognise that chap there. At right back. Bill pointed to a 78-year-old man in spectacles, bald on top, with short grey hair at the sides and back. No! Now the man ran forward into a challenge for the ball. He leapt with full force, two-footed, and caught his opponent just above the knee, clattering him onto the tarmac. Bloody hell! I recognise that tackle, though! It's Duncan Wellborn! Douglas grinned for the first time in Hornet Heaven. He'd started watching Watford as a kid in 1963-64, and Duncan Wellborn had played his first game for Watford in November of that season, after signing from Grimsby Town for £1,300. Chopper Wellborn! I bloody love Chopper! I was so sad when he died in January! Would you like to meet him? Of course I sod him would! He was a proper footballer! While the game's players crowded round Chopper's victim, who was lying in the fetal position on the tarmac, Bill summoned Chopper over and introduced him to Douglas. 
they fell into easy conversation. You know what, Chopper? I bloody loved watching you play. No nonsense. Get the ball and get rid of it. Got the man and got rid of him too. The fans used to say, if it moved, I'd kick it. <laughs> you always played your heart out. Stuck at it. I didn't miss a league match for over six years. How many games on the trot was it, Bill? 280, Chopper. Still the club record. Douglas and Chopper chatted for another 20 minutes. The time it took for the winger Chopper had tackled to get back on his feet again. Then the game resumed and Douglas and Bill headed back towards the atrium. That was brilliant, Bill. I can't believe I've met Chopper Wellborn in Hornet Heaven. It sounds like he meant a lot to you. He did. He taught me about life. He taught me that life's about graft, about fight. I never forgot that for as long as I lived. Well, I'm glad. Third time lucky for the five people you meet in Hornet Heaven. It's good that you're able to step back and see what Chopper taught you in your formative years. As fans, it's our long years of support, not recent results, that make us the people we are. We're not only as good as our last game. Oh, God. Now you've reminded me. The last game. Where was the graft against Wolves? Where was the fight? Oh, dear. You're having a relapse. We need a Duncan Wellborn in the current squad. Who have we got instead? Kiko, fancy boy familiar? Has he ever tackled anyone? No, oh, I hate him! Golly, I understand the urge to scapegoat, but I don't think hate's appropriate. Of course it is. If a player lets us down, if he isn't one of us, he deserves all the stick he gets. Oh dear, have you hated players in the past? Oh yes, with relish. OK, I think we need to get that out of your system. When they arrived at the junction with Occupation Road, Bill turned down the slope. Person number four, coming up. Bill and Douglas went through the players' entrance into the stadium. They arrived in a medical area adjoining the home dressing room. Standing next to a bank of high-tech monitoring equipment was an old man with a white buzz cut, a boxer's nose and wrinkles like trenches. He was rolling up his sleeves. Bill greeted him. Afternoon, Pat. Busy? Pat Malloy, Watford's trainer and physio for four decades, rolled his eyes and grunted, his lordship requires another massage. Pat disappeared around the bank of machines, beyond which Douglas and Bill could see the end of a treatment table and a bare pair of feet. Douglas said to Bill, Why have you brought me to see Pat Malloy? We're not here to see Pat, Douglas. We're here to see his lordship, as Pat put it. Come on. They rounded the machines. Reclining on the treatment table, in just a pair of football shorts, was a thin, 41-year-old man with dark hair. He was looking very relaxed, with his hands behind his head, as Pat Malloy's gnarled and stubby fingers kneaded his skinny thighs. The man grinned and said, All right, girls. Douglas immediately recognised Larry McGettigan, an ineffectual winger, who played in Watford's abject relegation season from Division 2 in 1971-72. What the... What the lackadaisical, lazy-assed hell is someone like you doing in Hornet Heaven? Having a massage as it goes? Pat does it lovely. 
Douglas seethed as his memories of Larry McGettigan came flooding back. A long-haired youth, waiting for the ball by the touchline, looking as if he couldn't wait to get off the pitch and do something less taxing than having to stand up. Look at you, lolling there. It's lovely jubbly, mate. Pass us a Baden pal. A what? Baden pal, mate. Tao. Get up and get it yourself, you sh- shiftless goon. Douglas stared in exasperated outrage at Larry McGettigan's cocky cockney features. He noticed that McGettigan's long, lank hair from the 1970s was today tied in a man bun. Understandably, this triggered another outburst. Gah! You're so... You were always so... Feckless! No feck at all! Not an ounce of feck! Bill, standing quietly next to Douglas, felt the meeting had served its purpose. He took Douglas gently by the arm and guided him out of the medical room. Feck free! A complete absence of feck! A total fecking no Douglas lay on a yellow beanbag in the calming area of the sensory room, gazing at beads of air as they rose up a bubble tube. He seemed less stressed now. Standing at the door, Bill explained why he'd taken Douglas to see Larry McGettigan. In heaven, any heaven, you get to make sense of your yesterdays. You can look back and understand how you came to be the person you are. But why did you make me meet Larry McGettigan? You seem such a reasonable man. I saw you named him as your least favourite player on your orientation questionnaire. But why make me meet someone I hated? Because when we take against players, it tells us a lot about ourselves. Those players represent values we don't like. Clearly you always saw Larry McGettigan as lazy, and you never approved. Laziness is the opposite of graft and fight, the values you said you learned from Chopper Wellborn. Fair enough. You're spot on there. I hated my granddad's laziness, when he should have been busy being a dad to me. Bill was pleased Douglas was starting to reflect on the source of his deeper feelings instead of just venting histrionically about Watford's start to the season. He sensed Douglas was ready for his fifth and final encounter of the five people you meet in Hornet Heaven. Out on Occupation Road, Bill led Douglas across the tarmac to a gate beside an old brick garage with mint green doors. Bill held open the gate. What's through here? Douglas stepped through the gate. Bill followed. To Douglas's surprise, he found he wasn't in one of the gardens that backed onto Occupation Road. He was in a huge area of open parkland. Bill led him to a small group of trees that surrounded a brown wooden bench. There was a man sitting on the bench. Douglas recognised the man immediately. He gasped. He'd never met the great man before. Bill left, 
and the great man gestured to Douglas to sit down. Douglas read the plaque on the back of the bench. It said, In loving memory of friend Graham Taylor. Much loved. Elton. The great man started talking to Douglas, putting him at his ease. He asked Douglas how he'd come to support the club, then asked to hear more about Douglas's granddad. Douglas gave a toned-down account. Soon, the great man started telling stories about his early days at the club. As the great man spoke, Douglas realised how much he'd missed this voice over the last couple of years. Its rhythms, cadences and inflections. Its music. He loved its warmth, the sense of friendship and often mirth beneath the surface. And he loved its certainty. Somehow the great man's voice made every word he uttered sound like a moral truth. As Douglas sat on the bench and listened, it struck him that the great man had always spoken in the way that a father speaks. The great man had arrived at Vicarage Road in 1977 and, in his words and actions as the head of the Watford family, had cared, guided, laid down rules, inspired and loved. Suddenly something dawned on Douglas. He'd grown up without a dad. And in 1977, the great man, as manager of Watford Football Club, from a distance, without knowing it, had somehow stepped into the gap. Douglas felt his eyes welling up. He tried to look away. He didn't want the great man to see. The great man stopped speaking. He had seen. He asked Douglas if he was all right. Douglas stood up. The great man stood up. Douglas hugged the great man and said, Thank you. Thank you. Douglas emerged through the gate back onto Occupation Road next to the garage with the mint green doors. As he walked up the slope on his way to the atrium, he thought about the five people Bill had got him to meet on his first day in Hornet Heaven. In this afterlife, he now knew there were people from every era. He was just one fan, fitting into the big picture, and he understood his connection to the club better now. After meeting Chopper, and the great man in particular, he could see that being a football fan was actually all about people, not just matches and results. The day had changed him. He wasn't feeling furious about Watford's start to the season anymore. It was as though a burden had been lifted. Douglas entered the atrium. He saw Bill waiting for him by the same yellow sofas that he'd been kicking earlier in the day. Henry was there too. Bill said, How did it go with the great man? Douglas nodded silently. He tried not to well up again. He shook Bill's hand warmly. Thank you for what you've done for me today, Bill. Suddenly a shout went up. Programme's in! Sheffield United's in! Bill looked at Douglas and said, It's an absolutely critical game. We need to win. How are you feeling? Less stressed. Shall we three go to the game together? 
Sure, it's only 90 minutes. Then I can get back to what's important. Getting to know the rest of the thousands of people you meet in Hornet Heaven. Bill smiled, and the three of them went off to fetch programmes for a 90 minutes that, in the land of the living, left Watford fans no less stressed. The End Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wickham. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wickham.